internet radio show all about motorcycle road racing. It's Jim here with episodes number 715. Now, if you guys listened to 714, you heard Martin Darlington and Rich. And Rich is not with me this week because we're continuing down that road of catching up with old friends and former hosts. And so I was happy to talk to Skylar Vicroy, who used to be co-host with me. And we go into a long-range idea of different things that we talk about. It's about kids and family work, race cars, sim racing, mountain biking, Moto America, Moto GP. We actually had time for all that. And I don't know, there's a whole bunch of other good stuff that's in there as well. Hope you guys are enjoying the interviews, and hopefully Rich and I will be back together again for episode 716. <laughs> Skyler, and long time no see, my friend. Yeah, it's been a few. It's been a few. Lots of ha- lots has happened since uh, last we chatted about motorcycling and whatnot. Fill me in, man. What's what's going on with the job scene, man? Well, the job is good. Um, they kept promoting me, so I guess I was doing a good job there. Um, I now got kind of like to a specialized team, so the work is interesting. It's a, it's a bit harder, more complicated, but less of it and less stress and. I'm a fully remote employee now, which is kind of par for the norm, I think, these days. <laughs> I, I um, wish I could be that way. I have yeah. to show up at my place. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the nice thing about this position was, it's uh, or is, is that it's fully remote even before COVID. So even if they decide to pull everybody back to the office, I get to stay. So cool. that definitely made moving easier because uh, we definitely moved last year. Um, and uh, the wife went fully remote. So... Um, yeah, I spend most of my days surrounded in the same four walls. So I try to make this room as fun as possible. That's a plan. How's the little one? He just turned two on New Time Year's flaws, my friend. I know. I know. And he's acting every bit his age these days. Oh, so. terrible twos. Yes, I know all about that. Yeah, he doesn't have the communication skills, but um, he definitely has the frustration and the anger to show it. So we're working on it. He's He's doing good. Um, he's a bit ahead of his class. Uh, That's good. So we're good there, which means I guess we're doing okay as parents. Um, so just, we're, we're figuring it out at the same time as well. Um, but it's good, man. He's keeping me on my toes. Takes up a lot of my time. Uh, even so, I pretty much have the same schedule every day. Get off work, do whatever it is I want to do for about an hour, and then go pick him up. And then it's his time till bedtime. Yeah, That's a good plan. Works. Yep. As long as you're enjoying it, man. I mean, that's always one of the greatest things. It's like once, it's like when they're really small. I think they're they're really cool, they're fun. At least for me, it was. And then you get to that like, I want to say like three, four, five age, and it's a pain. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like no, it's like only now. My boy's gosh, my boy's fifteen. He's driving. Wow. Anyway, so he was like, now he's like really wants to do like what. I do. He wants to help. He's like, we've been doing a little remodeling. He's like, dad, can I, I try putting a new receptacle in Dad, Can I try wiring the light switch? Dad, can I, you know, <laughs> so it's like, we started to work on bikes and stuff together. So it's a whole nother world of fun. So he's in the garage with me, changing oil in the cars, rotating tires, working on it. So you have all of that cool stuff to look forward to, which is the best part. Yeah. That'll be cool. Yeah. I'm looking forward to when sports kick in. Ooh, yeah. Um, you can sit, I, you can spend all your time sitting on the soccer field like I have. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking that's where it'll be. I'm, I'm not going to push football. I did a lot of that. Brother did a lot. Of, dad did a lot of that. But uh, if he wants to play, 
And eventually we'll, we'll do it the right way and I'll have to teach him about, you know, what the inherent risk of the game are. Um, but, you know, I'll tell him, you know, tennis and golf, man, you can play those for a long time, make a lot of money and travel the world. Just saying there's opportunities elsewhere. <laughs> yeah. I am well put, sir. Well yeah. put. I'm trying to convince myself because I have Prairie City, which for those that don't know, is a very popular go-kart track here in Northern California. It's out there by Hangtown for those motocross people. And it's 20 minutes from my house. And used go-karts are cheaper than mountain bikes these days. Are you kidding me? A used oh, no. go-kart is cheaper than a mountain bike? I can go get a used go-kart. Uh, it's about two years old um, with some leftover kit for about $24, $2,500. And if I wanted to give him a medium bike, so we're saying not like the full top, but like a decent bike, which most of them mountain bike, dual suspensions, full carbon these days, you know, looking at $8,000. That's Whoa. the non-electric ones. I mean, you can probably get about 5,000, maybe on a, on a good day for stuff that's quality. I mean, it's bad because you, you know, it's bad all the bike stores have a financing department now. Yeah. Sorry, that just hit me wrong. Mm -hmm. Bicycles that have, that are financed. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that works. Uh -huh. The electric bikes, they're like the electric mountain bikes, the big kahunas that do the enduros. Some of those are fetching 14, 15 grand more than an actual, you can go WR450, CRF450, more than those bikes. Absolutely insane so. yeah uh, my boy likes mountain biking he's drugged me into it and i you know i go out there and huff and puff and try to give it my best I mean, we went and over thanksgiving we wound up going to tennessee and it just so happened that the campground we were at had a mountain bike place like literally like a quarter of a mile from it to the trail nice. and so we were like pedaling all over down there as much as we could it was great it was had a great time so you have all that good stuff to look forward to, but let's get back to what we do best. Let's talk about motorcycles. Indeed. Oh <laughs> man, it's been a it's been a minute <laughs> since oh, I've talked yeah, about yeah. racing and what's going on. But uh, yeah, well, what we, what's on the uh, the docket today? What do we want to talk about? Oh, it's all open, man. It's all, I figured we while well, we I figured we'd hit some MotoGP. Get your thoughts. Maybe hit a little Moto America. Get your thoughts. Right. Mm -hmm. I talked to uh, Scott Bolton. Those of you who are listening to this one. You know that because you've heard Scott, <laughs> so you'll know. But yeah, so we had a good talk about that too. It was, it was that was really good. I think it was really fun to have Scott back mm -hmm. and talk to him about it. But I, was, I just want your take on the world of racing. You know, as Mark Miller would say, what's what's going on in your shitty world of racing? You know. Yeah, I, I guess I'll start with the uh, the home stuff, right? Moto America. Moto sure. America is in this really interesting position because uh, a lot of their stars are coming back. Right. Mm -hmm. and you've got Heron, he's going back up to Superbike. And Gagne's there. And, you know, you've got your regular staples there. And now Cam's coming back. And I think um, PG Jacobson is going to try to do some Superbike this year, but I don't know if he has a full ride yet. So, on one hand, it's cool because I think we've got three or four guys that can win races at any given time. So, it should tighten that pack up unless Cam has gotten even better since he's been overseas, which there is a good chance of that have happening. Uh, but on the same part, I'm kind of sad that all of our best talent is still here and only Garrett is the only one that's really overseas uh, that I can see, you know, getting on a box regularly. Yeah. The question then becomes, in, is what do we got to do to Moto America to 
make it better to get our talent over there? <sighs> I know that's a far ranging question, right? Cause mm-hmm. I, I think, I think you're in the same boat. I am right. Like late nineties, early part of the two thousands, the naughties was like prime time, gnarly AMA Superbike. It was the top. I mean, everybody was there, right? Honda, Cowie, you had, because you had the Muzzy Kawasaki's, you had, uh, Arian had a team, right? Back to, it was a satellite Honda team. You had all the big names. Everybody was there, right? Yosh, now it's like, you got Yamaha, and let's be fair, that's what I would call factory support it mm-hmm. at best, right? I, I just don't get what's going on. I mean, Scott was talking about how like it's sort of the perfect storm. You had the debacle of the sale to DMG, right? Mm-hmm. Their change that they did that caused everybody to base it. Well, pissed Honda off to the point where I don't think they're ever coming back, which is sad, mm-hmm. right? And then you get to a point where you kind of got it all going your way. You get sort of Cam and Gerloff. They're going to Europe. And then wham, you're hit by a worldwide pandemic that forces everybody to, to stay home, which you would think that would have helped. I somehow to me, I think that would have helped because everybody would be looking for some facet of entertainment, right? So you you'd buy the plus package or watch it live on TV. And then you you got the well, I'll call it the Petrucci experiment mm-hmm. where he shows up. And I'm thinking like, hey, what better way to raise the whole bar here of Moto America when you got a guy who raced Moto GP coming to your paddock? And that just sort of went off the rails mm-hmm. somewhere along the way, right? I don't know. You tell me how to fix it. I, you know, we can tell talk and tell Wayne what to do. I guess I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I had that much insight, I think the first thing, of course, is always the big thing is money, right? Yeah, we can't have teams without the money. Um, and it's a catch-20. It's a double-edged sword, essentially, because you want to lower the cost and have less performance parts to try to make uh, an easier entry, right? Mm-hmm. But the factories don't want that. They want to be able to bring a hot bike to the track with their, in some cases, development parts or stuff that they, you know, they can sell to the public. It's just extremely expensive, right? They're one-off ECUs and so on and so forth. So they don't want to go with that. And then the whole AMA thing, it really got crippled because like you said, it was one of the, if not premier bike paddocks. I mean, Matt Milano was riding around on like a $7 million contract towards the end, just yeah. stuff like that, which we haven't seen anything like that for a long time. But like you mentioned, when the factories left, when DMG came in and tried to NASCAR the whole thing up and that was just a failed experiment, right after that, the economy fell out. So when DMG left, the economy fell out. And then, so the factories not only had they been pissed off and left, but they saw no value in coming back because nobody was coming to those races. They couldn't bring the bikes they wanted to the races. And let's face it, the American ridership of sport bikes has fallen tremendously here. Um, I could just see it on the roads. I remember a little bit before I started riding, it was the it thing, kind of like how the F1 boom is right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. I remember seeing everyone was talking about, didn't matter what facet stunting bikes, racing bikes, and they all would eventually co-mingle because it's two wheels and everyone's just got that same vibe, right? And a lot of that's gone away. 
because pleasure vehicles aren't allowed anymore, which a lot of times motorcycles is the second vehicle to third vehicle of the house. And with the, how expensive everything is now too, it's made it extremely hard. So now people don't really want to buy sport bikes because what's a 600cc bike? Like 12 grand now? Most people, close to that. If not yeah, more. most people aren't going to go and spend that. And if they are, they're going to spend 15 to 16 on a thousand. You know, so there's not a huge audience for those. And if you're not going to gain the new ones if they're not interested in riding their own bike, let alone racing it. So they're in a tight spot. I think it's good to bring talent back because what they really got to do, if they can't fill out the grid, they've got to make the racing that is at the front very good. They got four or five guys every week in that battle out and maybe sixth or 10th are hanging off the back. The camera should stay with the top guys mm-hmm. and they get some interest. Yeah. But I'm not sure how for them to recover. It's going to take some kind of interesting. I think a compressed schedule might help a little bit. Yeah, there's too much time off between races. So in the news cycle, I think you fall off. Yeah. You're just not relevant. Right. That's the problem with the size of this cup place, right? <laughs> Scott and I had this conversation. It's like, look, I can go almost anywhere in the UK in about eight hours. Like mm-hmm. top to bottom, left to right, roughly eight hours. I got it. If I want to go out to the ridge out by you, right? I get I'm talking 32 hours for me mm-hmm. to get there. That's re- mm-hmm. you know. Good grief. Who can afford the diesel and the trucks to get there, let alone the time off to go do it, right? right. And so, that's if you want to stay at a hotel and have dinner and food along the way. Mm-hmm. I mean, just your expense travel to get to the place, you're looking at hundreds and hundreds of dollars. I mean, that, you're just giving away tire sets. So yeah, that's a big thing of it. And then a, a compressed schedule might allow a more circus style um, racing. For the mm-hmm. crews, because now they just go, okay, we're at this track. Now we're going to drive to this track next week. We can even set up a test and then we can run it, you know, race there. Or they can even try maybe working with the local clubs where they get in. The local club has a race weekend before the big boy show up. Yeah. So maybe if they want to go, some guys want to do the double competing to try to win prize money of like a like CMRA race or AFM race or whatever it is, right? And maybe pull some of those guys up who realize, hey, I'm just as fast as their fifth fastest or sixth fastest guy. I should try to maybe run one or two of the AMA rounds at the same time, right? Because now they've got more practice, they get in. Maybe something like that. But I definitely think they need to tighten up the schedule and make it, I say right now, with the amount of races they have, three and a half month spectacle. It's like your summer racing series and then it's done. That's a good idea. I like that. And then, you know, if they want to keep, you know, the carryover, then they, you know, look, oh, we're headed into fall. Now we're switching to dirt track and we're going to put our focus there, right? Winter's covered by Supercross. And the thing is, Supercross is not going to help you because they're doing fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're selling out stadiums, for God's sake. So, uh, but it's captive. The, yeah, it is. You're, you, the idea of Supercross is you took what was cool in a motocross and you put it inside of a stadium that feet, sits 50,000 people. Mm-hmm. And you yep. see the whole thing. There's not one part of the track you yeah. cannot see there. And how right? long is that season? It's like four months. Well, it's four months, yeah. Like it's done by March. It's done easily by April. Yep. And there's and like, a, like there's like a month before you go outdoors or whatever. Yep. They do them back to back, and for the most part, they do the thing that I don't understand why most racing series can't figure out. They try to make the distance between each event the next closest event. 
Yeah, they do pretty good at that. Yeah. I mean, because you're going to like Anaheim, then you go up to Oakland, and then you're going to go, oh, we're going to go to Washington, and then we're going to go over to Denver. You know, they try to, okay, oh, the West Coast. Now we're going to go to the East Coast. Right? Yeah. See, and- I'll get to thinking about that because, like I said, that one of the things that kind of came to my mind was the fact that the places that you go for Moto America are really not. I've never been to these places, but I, I kind of got an envisionment in my head of where they are. Like I went to Pittsburgh. That is like the ultimate country club for cars. Place, mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a bunch of rich guys who got Porsches who want a place to go play on the weekend. Right. It's nice. Do not get me wrong, but it's not a, it's not mid Ohio. Right. It's not, because that's one thing I was trying to think of is like where did where was AMA going in the 90s that were these great tracks like they would go to like maybe Pikes Peak but that was inside of a Roval Loudon that doesn't even exist anymore right that's gone they I think AMA was at VIR which is one of the one of the which isn't even there anymore now Road America Road Atlanta are like the only other two holdovers that are still racing top level national series American tracks the, the, the tracks have disappeared or I just can't remember them. Take your pick, right? Oh, they got, or they got priced out of them. I mean, I'm sure they would love to race a Coda, which I think they should do the short version of the track. Yeah, the I don't know what they're version. doing. They're, they, so they're going to hold the next to last round is in Texas at Coda. They're okay. not, they're not, they're not combining themselves with, um, MotoGP. Thank you. <laughs> so and what I, what Scott told me was that they wanted their own race at Coda because they don't get any of the gate mm. and they're only allowed to bring their super bikes mm-hmm. because that's all we have time for. Okay. Now, if they did the short track, that would be cool. If they did the whole track, that'd be cool because I think if you were in the whole track, seven, eight, nine to 10 is one of the coolest places to watch. Mm-hmm. Cause just if you, watch the guys in MotoGP go through there, all of them are just playing on flirting with the edge of absolute insanity there. Cause it's, that's micro inches from complete and total chaos of somebody just flicking that thing over the crest at 10 and it, they're going to be gone. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's wild there, but back to my point or what I was trying to make him, but I have a point at all ever. I don't know is I thought, why don't they do like they do with like 250 supercross? There's an east and a west, right? So, okay, we maybe take a step back and have some smaller event type things going on, but you can involve more people because, again, you've you've regionalized it, like you said, right? So you could have them all going. You could have an east coast series. You could have a west coast series, right? You guys could go up to what's, uh, I can't think of the one track, Thunder Hill, right? Mm-hmm. You do like Thunder Hill. You could maybe do Laguna one time. You'd go to Ridge. I'm sure there's other sport complexes. You could try running out at Willow again. There's Sonoma too, but I heard that track is just tore up these days because they're not taking care of it. Oh, really? That's nice. I'm glad Mm -hmm. to hear that that's gone to hell in a handbasket. But I'm thinking if you like, if you stayed sort of on the West Coast, you stayed on the East Coast, and then you said, okay, we're going to have like a Super Bowl playoff, East meets West. And if you, you know, where do you do it at? I don't know. It's kind of like, Remember, we had GNFs down at Road Atlanta. Mm-hmm. If, if you had enough points from your region, you could go down there if you wanted to. If you didn't want to, mm-hmm. that's fine. They didn't care. 
So maybe you have have your at least at least the team least they could do is have their East Superbike champion, their East Super Sport champion, make sure that they get to the Super Bowl, right? Same thing with the West, right? Take your champions out of the West. If they need a little money and leave a little cash to get there and then put everybody head to head for like one weekend. I think mm-hmm. it's kind of like that's that big draw, right? It's the, hey, here's the best of the East, best of the West. It's kind of like the NFL, right? Something like that. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. I mean, yeah, that's a good idea. I think the other thing is too, we have a lot of good tracks. We, they, AMA doesn't constantly race on them or keep a schedule. I mean, we've got Barber, we've got Coda, we got Laguna, Sonoma. We've got, they race up in New Jersey. Yeah. Then we've added on stuff like Pittsburgh. We tried that one year. I think in the, was it uh, Louisiana? They have that track out there. Yeah, there is one. Yeah. Um, um, and then there's just, you know, probably like you mentioned, half the ones we forget that are scattered amongst everything. Then, of course, there's more of the like club tracks, like you mentioned, Pittsburgh. Uh, there's the one that's down here, the desert in California. I'm trying to remember what its name is right now. Somebody's yelling uh, at Button Willow. Well, not in Button Willow, but it's actually okay. even further. It's out there in the desert. Um, you oh. don't really run a summer series. It gets too too hot. Uh, but there's tracks like that. But then again, it's not set up for the fan experience. It's set up just for you to go out there and go fast with something, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Thermal is down there in Southern California. They got more tracks. But again, those are for people with lots of money. I mean, they're, the, they're the kind of track that has houses on the property. And for you to be oh, able to wow. drive on the track, you get it by the house that has like the, you know, six bay garage, that kind of money, you know, that kind Ooh. of stuff. So, um. There's, there's, I think there's plenty of good tracks to race at. I think they get priced out of some of them. Um, I know our local club, AFM, doesn't even go to Sonoma anymore because they started raising their prices and it became cheaper for them to actually go back to Laguna. And that was a big problem for them is they wouldn't go to Laguna for a while because Laguna got all high and mighty from the MotoGP buzz and wanted to charge a bunch of money. And everybody left them. And guess what? Prices came back down to a reasonable amount. Now, with the resurfacing and re-infrastructure that they're putting there, if they may try to raise prices again to cover some of that. I, I don't know, but it, it's it's a pickle because if these facilities are also getting older, right? The ones that have been built in the last 10 years and the fan experience becomes a lot harder to enjoy if your facility isn't that great either. So if they don't get people to come and they, and then the, the ones that do don't have a good experience, they're not willing wanting to come back, which means they don't want to spend money, which means you can't keep up with the inflation of selling ticket prices at a higher rate, so on and so forth. And, you know, I think that's what, you know, got me on world Superbike, And I'm pretty sure that's what got them out of the United States in general is because uh, when they came here, it's, you know, you, you could either pay for the three day pass, which was a good value. I think it was like a hundred and, Fifteen dollars for three days, but if you wanted to come just on Sunday, which is the only time I really had, it was ninety dollars, right? And it's like okay, and that's when after they did the split of they put the race on Saturday and Sunday, so now you don't get the two races anymore. You only get one race, and it's ninety bucks, and it's going to be like seventeen laps. So, no, thank you. I'm not. I'm not just you know. I just sit home and watch it on TV for that rate, but and and I'm pretty sure that's what you know. Less and less people started to go. You, you wonder why. I mean, you, they've got to find some way to not only it's affordable, but you have to drive the masses in so you can lower those gate prices to get people in. But it's a tough one. I think they're doing a good job of what they've got. And I think they're going to have to wait on maybe determining factors that they have no control over before they can really get the series to get not necessarily back to where it was, but just get into a better spot. 
Yeah, I think it's I think it's baby steps, right? It's getting slightly better, slightly better. I think you're going to see another jump forward, like you said, because now we have the stars coming back. Cam, Jake, and you, you know, got a couple mm-hmm. other guys, like uh, Skultz, whoever else, that can all win on a given weekend. So that's going to be interesting to see. So they've also tried now, they've got, Longer races that are going to happen at Laguna, Barber. So they got a pit stop. Now they haven't worked out like if it's going to be on the fly pit stops like the 200 or if it's like, hey, everybody pits at a no two stages of a race, right? Everybody mm. pits at a specific, hey, we're running to this lap. Now everybody stops, puts a new tire on, puts fuel in. We regrid in the order which you finished and we go at it again. No idea, but that might be interesting, right? you put a little more distance into it because a lot of it seemed like what, when I went to Barber, I went to Pittsburgh, I enjoyed myself value for dollar, three day pass, 89 bucks. You cannot beat that. Right. Mm-hmm. Not for three days, not in my mind. Right. So, okay. That's cool. Get to see a lot, get to be around a lot. Access to everything is amazing. Right. You can just basically walk everywhere, but the pit lane and obviously the hot, obviously the track, but anywhere else is, free go and it's working right there's crowd there i mean there's a pretty good crowd at, at pit race i think there was a pretty good crowd at barber and barber's beautiful i love sitting under the shade trees having a drink and watching bikes go by it's like mm-hmm. it doesn't get any better than that. better than that so there's some really good pieces they have it's just like you got to figure out where the other pieces fall into and you got to figure out how they're going to push it forward I don't know how they do it, but if they could come up with one big name premier sponsor that isn't motorcycle related, things would be, I think things could get better then. Right. But I don't know how you do it. I I don't know where you, where you go get that. It just seems like, it just seems like there's gotta be some kind of, I look at this way yet, like the fresh and lean Yamahas, right? So there's a, there's a reach where that isn't necessarily motorcycle related. It's food, right? It, but mm-hmm. it's, it's healthy food. It's performance food for an athlete kind of, right? So do you court fresh and lean and it becomes fresh, you know, Moto America, whatever presented by fresh and lean, or do you, you know what I'm saying? Like, do you work that direction and go that way? Can you get mm-hmm. an energy drink to just give you enough money to be a title sponsor? Right. You, uh, you know, Moto America presented by Monster or Rockstar. Take your pick. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, you think. Yeah, that's they how got money, Monster right? Supercross, right? Well, yeah, that's it's the, the American way. We have those slap labels on it all, right? We can't just call it one thing, but that's how sponsorship works here. <laughs> I, yeah, it, it would be good to see that. I think you're like, you out of the industry. I mean, what's it? The. I think it's the Fanatec series where they have like AWS is sponsoring them. Yeah, okay. There's a hand-in-hand relationship with that because of the way they can utilize the AWS tools like within racing and it helps them develop something which they can sell to non-racing customers or something like that, right? Um, 
so there's things like that. And of course, the, the most important thing when it comes down to whoever holds all that money just has to care about motorcycle racing, period. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, most big sponsors, if you listen, especially on the car racing teams, the people that like when Acura wants to race, that means the guy who's in charge of the Acura development program is a fan of racing. So he's going to say, we're going to develop our cars racing. The next guy that comes in says, that's a waste of money. We should spend more time with our engineers. Goodbye racing. Right. It happens all the time. We see it there. I mean, and unfortunately, we're seeing it at the highest level of motorcycle racing now, right? Japan mm. is pretty much all but checked out these days, except for Honda. I think Yamaha is there, but it slowly looked like it's becoming a secondary notion to them as well, which is a big shame because if, you know, I mean, it, it already is the Ducati Cup, right? And, and if we're, you know, Kawasaki's gone, we've got a Suzuki left. left, and Yamaha is good with one guy. And I'm kind of wondering if he was on a different bike, he might be even a better guy, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the only person who can ride his bike, much like Mark Marquez is the only one that can ride that Honda. So if you don't have Fabio or Marquez, I mean, we'll see this year. Maybe it changes with, with Juan Mir, but I, it's like, okay, if, if Honda starts to go out there and lose, someone's eventually going to be like, this is an effort that we don't need to put money into because we're doing great and everything else. So we'll pull that back. And then Yamaha goes, well, this has become overtly expensive for us to you know, finish in sixth every year. And we don't have that sellability like we did when Valentino was there, right? Yeah. Now it's like, oh, crap. And if you know, Ducati comes out and just you know, stomps everybody this year, all right? Like, it's more people are like, oh, we're just going to get Ducati. It's the only way to win. And yeah, that's, a, that's not an attractive thing to me. That's for sure. I agree. Yeah, it's there's the the armada of Ducatis, as we like to call it on the show, right? Is insatiable. One last thing for Moto America: Does it help them if they open up an e-bike class? I didn't say no, um, just because I don't know if they've got team. I mean, they can't even get teams to run the Premier Division. Mm-hmm. I know there'll be people who are different, but I think a lot of the e-bikes these days are offshoots of major racing teams, like an Aspar or, uh, you know, well, Ducati's, one of those- Ducati's supplying all the bikes for Moto E, right? Yeah. And I don't know if, I mean, we can't even get the factories to do a standard support team here. I don't think that's going to do much. And I'm not sure if, if people here are even really wanting to see that. Well, here's how I was thinking about it. I wasn't thinking about it as, hey, this is what a factory is going to do with an electric bike. I was thinking like old school TT. Hey, here, build a bike and get all the get all the nerds involved mm-hmm. to make something right. Like literally in your garage, figure out how you're going to make an electric bike. Kind of like the Moto Assist project, right? That that Mark Miller rode to a, a TT zero win that whole, that concept. Cause then yeah. it's grassroots. You look at it, say, well, we're, we're, we're helping to develop electric bikes. It's a, it's a green thing, right? Or say that you're going to do sustainable fuels, carbon neutral fuels, maybe something like that. It's something that's more, I don't want to say in line with the times, but something that's more across the board. People think about in that news cycle. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Throwing it out there. They did try that. Um, did they? 
Yeah, that was back when I was still turning wrenches. They had the electric series that went along with Moto America at the time. And I remember like Steve Rapp was doing double duties. He would go over and race the electric bikes and they were doing like five, six laps at the races. And you'd have mm. about three or four that were just gone. And, and it was some of the most boring racing because it was still very development. So one or two guys would figure it out and they would put like fast riders on there. And those guys are gone and everybody else. They, I mean, they, they did give it a shot. Um, it didn't really add much to the events i would say other than people would like all right come check it out and then it's places like sonoma which is horrible because sonoma you already get to see the bikes this much and for those that are fair i'm on video making a small symbol with my fingers but <laughs> you, you you don't get to see the bikes so now you can't even hear them right so you have no idea where they're at and then they finally just pop up and the announcer is talking and it's it, it was a weird it was a weird thing and um has the technology gotten better? Yeah, but again, that's going to be cubic dollars, I think, especially if it's like, hey, just build what you want. There may be that one guy that comes out. It's like, all right, here, we're just going to win every race because, um, you know, I, I'm an electrical engineer. I, you know, I own Tesla, whatever it is, and I'm just going to use this to just put my name out there, and then I'm gone in three years anyway. So I I don't know. Yeah, Stay power. Yeah, but I see what you're trying to get. I mean, trying to, you know, open it up. I mean, they, they did that with the Harley series. I mean, there's more racing because of that it's not racing I'm interested in whatsoever, but it's definitely something that people will go to watch because it's different. It's loud and people can relate to like, Oh, you know, I've got that bike at home, you know? And so people get a kick out of that. So I see why that's there and staying. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Thank goodness. The races I went to did not have baggers. Mm. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> I hate to say it. I think it's silly, but if it brings somebody to the track and brings more people, I'm fine. I'll tolerate it. I'm with it. Just interesting there. Yeah. Eh, well, all right. I think we beat Moto America to death. Let's talk about <laughs> Moto GP. Yeah. So we started there, right? With yeah. The whole we kind of slid up. into that one, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and the worries there. I, you know, I have to say, in complete honesty, this is probably the least excited I've been for a Moto GP season in quite some time. Um, I just think it's rinse and repeat with the narrative. It's Fabio won't get a bike that's fast enough. It'll corner like a demon and he will override it and be the only one that can. Mark will try to come back to something that he was, but he may end up injuring himself. And the Ducatis will just go out there and, you know, say, oh, okay, we're going to go fast down the straighties, which is the majority of our tracks now, especially the back half of the season. And we're done. And it's like, okay. I mean, there's some excitement about seats changing. That I can look forward to, but the fact that there's less bikes where these seat changes happen. I mean, sure, sure. Yeah, I see it. I get you. I I'm holding out. I mean, let's let's talk about this part of MotoGP. You were talking. You said it earlier. There's this big, huge ramp up of Formula One in America. Mm -hmm. Like everybody and their brothers. Like even the casual people that I know. Who know that I'm into racing? Are like, oh, hey, have you seen that Formula One show on Netflix? That's pretty cool. I grit my teeth and go, yeah. Mm -hmm. I said, you're getting to see something that makes what really was boring not boring because of creative editing and creating drama where there was none to begin with. Because mm -hmm. I'm, trust me, I watched some of those races there was nothing going on in them and you have created a buzz about it. Right. Is it great? 
sure. It's created a race in Miami. It's created or it has maintained a race in Texas, which was like hundred thousand plus people showing up in Texas the last time they were down there. Four hundred thousand over the weekend. That's ridiculous. I was down in one of those zoos. It was it was insane. That's way too many people at Coda for me. Like I, I like my thirty thousand max, maybe mm-hmm. if that for MotoGP, and I'm cool. But MotoGP kind of went down this Formula One road and said, "Look, we're going to create this Amazon Amazon Prime mm-hmm. show, and we're going to call it MotoGP Unlimited." Like, my gosh, you decided to come out and subtitle everything. I get it. It's Spanish. Spanish speaking people are going to understand what's going on. But for us non bilingual people, it was like, I'm not sitting there reading it all. Mm-hmm. all the time. They eventually they subbed it. They kind of dubbed it in, right? And they put some English on top of it. But to me, I had this great hope that it was going to be like the faster movies, right? Where that was well done. There was a good narrative that like strung the races together, right? It was um, who was the voice? Was it Ian McGregor? Right? He was he was the voice in one of voiceovers in one of those, wasn't he? Yeah, isn't it like Mark Neal or something? That's it. Like Mark that? Neal directed it though. Yeah, right? or something but, like that. Right. Someone does the voice on him, but yeah, yeah. But the idea was is that when there wasn't a race and you're you're moving from one round to the next round there was this voiceover that would kind of gear you up for what was about to come. It was like, well, so-and-so had broke their hand and now they're going to deal with that this weekend. And well, the team's got a new chassis and they're going to try this. And but there was that point where you could, you learned something about what was going on. And then it was like, you watch MotoGP Unlimited and it's like words on a screen. We are now in Spain at Valencia. Or sorry, Barcelona. I'm like, what? You couldn't put anything into it. It was just rough. I thought, like, I I thought that almost like turned people off. If you decided, like, ooh, I've seen Formula One drive to survive. Oh, I'll maybe try this because maybe I'm a casual bike rider. I got one in the garage, kind of a thing. It's like, ugh. I don't know. Well, I watched uh, two and a half episodes. Um, so there's, you know, make, take my opinion with a grain of salt. That's about all uh, I watched because I didn't like it either. Um, but I'm actually not liking it for the reasons that you want to like it, which is strange. I okay. didn't want it to be like the faster movies. And I felt a lot of it was like that because it was the same kind of creative talk. I don't want to have a guy whisper to me for two hours and or a 30 minute, 40 minute episode. It was great for those faster movies. But when we're talking like this and he likes to get on the bike and go fast, will his injuries stop him? Next, we are up at the Valencia track. Here we suffer. And they're like, zoom, 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 zoom. All right. And now we're going to be, it's like, this is golfer racing. Like, what are we doing here? And I just, I couldn't feel the emotion from, which is what Drive to Survive does really well. Whatever, it's creative editing, right? Or it's making up stuff that you take that and you make it seem like something it's not. Guess what? Most people don't pay enough attention to racing to know that's not happening. That's not their target audience. If you want to be the target audience that watches the races, there's this thing called F1 TV. You watch the entire race on the weekend, and then you have your Netflix audience, and everybody gets to enjoy it in their own way. I felt like they were trying to make that show for the audience that watches the races, and everybody already knows that, and we wanted to know the more detailed stuff, and that stuff just was not 
there to me. It seemed it was odd. I, I don't know. I maybe need to watch the rest of it. Maybe it changed. And but all in all, I just I couldn't get on board. But then again, I've also fallen off the Netflix train for the F1 stuff too. But that's just I couldn't fun. get into it. Yeah. I did fine with it for a while just because it was fun to see um like the team bosses, which have now gotten so huge now. And because I think because the Formula One paddock was so much more closed than the MotoGP paddock. Um, but that may also be because of our personal experience of always having to dig down into this stuff to really get information. There was nothing new and exciting because we over indulged most of the time because of just research or watching every session, this and that. When you watch F1, I've only watched the races. I don't watch pre-F1, post-F1, F1 during the week, F1 news. I don't know. I'm not really there for that. I'm just there for the race. And then, you know, maybe uh, I'll read an article from Flying Bite here and there if it catches my eye. So maybe that has something to do with it as well. But I don't think it did great on Amazon as far as the numbers that they were hoping to achieve. And they certainly didn't get anywhere near what they had anticipated with the whole Netflix thing. Yeah. So that I think, I don't know, was that their attempt at trying to to get, because they, they, they had the survey, the big survey that they did. What do you want to see in MotoGP? Okay, fine. That's your right to go ask what do you want, what potentially is going to be used. And then you get to the show, you get, you, we finally get the results of that big survey. It's like, oh, yeah, well, we need to do better with women and we need to bring more people into the show. Really? That That's all you got out of the survey. So if that's what you got, that's what you got. But if that's what I mean, anybody could tell you that, right? Like you can casually go to any MotoGP event and you can tell that there's not women there because they want to be there. They're, they're, okay, there's a minority. There's a very scant few. Most of them are there because their boyfriend conned them into going, right? Or they went with their husband and they're just mingling around watching people more than anything else that's going on, right? So if you give them a, so did they think if they gave them a show with Fabio with his shirt off the whole time, they were going to like get massive ratings or something? I don't know what they're thinking with that. I mean, I helped Daniel Ricardo's case, I think, here in the U.S. <laughs> yeah, Maybe the, the the most favorite driver of the of of women, but um, yeah, I, I think they were just trying to quickly capitalize on the success of what F1 had done with the show because no one thought that was going to be as big as it turned out to be, and as crucial as it was, especially to get them, they just had a perfect storm as well where F1 went away for two years, just like anything else. And you had a gateway into it, right? You had a gateway into the paddock and you had something to hold you over because you couldn't go to the tracks. And here it was. And so when people could go back to the tracks, people fiended this for two years and they just go crazy. We're not going to see those numbers in three years. I guarantee they're all going to fall back off to a more realistic, right? And now there's what there's a Coda, Miami and Las Vegas. One of those races will be gone in five years, guaranteed, if not two of them, two of them. Yeah. Yeah, Vegas and Miami will be gone. Coda will Vegas, have- Vegas is interesting because that is not targeted at F1 fans at all, right? No, That's targeted at rich folks. And a lot of my friends that um, watch racing, they got really mad about that. And I said, hold on a second, hold on. They've actually done everybody a solid in the United States, right? You've got the real racers track. You can go watch that in Texas. If you are a party person and you want to see the things around a track and then do a race, you go to Miami. 
Now they got to cater to somebody with money because racing pretty much primarily runs on rich dudes these days. There is grassroots racing my ass. You can get that maybe at some local go-kart track and that's where it stops. I mean, they were talking about loadout days for go-kart tracks now. Loadout days. You got to bring your truck in and have enough time to load and unload your setup. That's not grassroots at all. That's not entry level at all. That's insane, right? And so they've got to be able to give people with money something to go see. So that's the rich one. That's just the Monaco of the West. Let them have it. I'm not mad about it. I got priced out of it as soon as I saw those ticket prices. Okay. But the thing is, I can still go to a, quite a few number of races for a lot less money around the world. I mean, I can go to Japan and watch a race and be out of pocket for about maybe a little over $1,000, which was the same I spent for Texas, believe it or not. Oof. I can do that, right? So at least there's there's some options there. But it's they they are enjoying it and, and they just hit their wave and they're making all their money now. And I think MotoGP kind of had that. And they're on the other side of it. They had those Rossi years where the tracks were insane. That's why the Faster movies came out. That was their Netflix special. They just had this huge moment where everybody loved racing. Motorcycles are huge. And they rode that for years. And now they're on the backside of it. So they got to figure out what comes next in all this. Now it's a panic. I think we've had this conversation long ago. Was that we opined. I think it was actually you and me who did it. It was like, they're not prepared for the post-Rossi era. Like yeah. they, did, they didn't have a plan. They were just like, oh, Rossi's coming back. Cool. Okay. We don't have to worry about that this year. Is Rossi coming back? Oh, he's got a two-year deal. Cool. Two years, man. We're just going to sit back. Let's let's just roll this in here because Rossi's just this, you know, Rossi's the guy that transcended the sport, right? He yeah. is the Michael Jordan of motorcycling. He, you're Tiger Woods of golfing. Take your pick, right? Yep. And he transcended all of this. There was never a secession plan. Rossi could not ride a motorcycle at the top level for years. And if you ask me, he did MotoGP a favor for about the last three, if not four years. Because mm-hmm. Rossi really was not, he no. wasn't in it for a, for a sniff at a podium, right? I, you know, he get, he did them a solid. Just, I think so. I think, I, I think Rossi, without saying it, was kind of trying to say, "Look, guys, I, you, you got to kind of figure this out. You you need a plan for when I'm not here, and I really kind of want to go, but I'm not because you kind of need me." And it's like. That's just not how that works. I also think he was setting up the next wave of Italian riders, why he wanted to hang around a little bit longer too. And he I mean, I agree. turned out to be a huge success of his, right? Mm-hmm. And he kind of knew he was able to hand it off to the next guys at that point. They were there. They were fast. They were faster than him. I think when he was watching Pecco, he was like, okay, Pecco's going to be a guy. And then when he saw like his brother come up and then he saw a couple of the other guys come up there and he's just like, he had more of the wings. The guys were wanting his whole academy to set up. I honestly think the last five years he was playing the next game where he wanted to make sure Italy was going to remain a powerhouse because he saw, and that's why he started the VR 46 camp because he was like, okay, there's me and we'll set, you know, is there anybody else? Caparossi's gone. So Melandri left. Oh, crap where's the next guy and so he built that up right yeah and it's uh I, I think he he looked at that and he did that and then now you know MotoGP, like you mentioned they're in the pickle like without him what is the next real sellable thing and they're losing stuff unfortunately at that time they're losing diversity on the field right and it seems like they you know 
there was a, we had a good era of like superstars of MotoGP, right? I would the aliens, right? Right, we had all the, aliens. the aliens. We had Stoner, Pedroza, Rossi, Lorenzo, and these guys battled it out for years. Marquez came in and just like whoop. And then when Marquez sat on the top, right? We could have had that with him and Fabio, but that time he never really lined up together where they were both on the premier factory bike in their best shape of their life kind of deals, right? Yeah. And maybe maybe that's coming. Maybe we'll start getting some of that now. And But the nice thing about MotoGP is like it's had a good reset. You don't have a wide discrepancy in age in MotoGP too much anymore. It seems like most of these guys could all still be here if they're good enough in the next five years and not get placed out of age outside of maybe Johan Zarco, right? Right. Zarco's yeah, is like 32 or 33 already. Mm-hmm. So, right, you, I hate to backtrack towards Moto America, but I'm going to backtrack just because you said something that I want to ask. Rossi created the VR46 Academy, the idea of keeping Italy relevant to MotoGP. Mm-hmm. Do we need a former racer in the US to start like a Camp Edwards or uh, pick your pick your flavor of who you want, right? I'm just I know Edwards has got a, his boot camp down in Texas, that's why I say it, but would that help us? Does that in any way make things different here if you have that? The one thing that we did have that did help us was Red Bull rookies had an offshoot for the Americas. I mean, that's where, yeah. you know, we had, you know, JD Beach was in there. Gagne right. was in there. Yep. Uh, Cam did the international, but he, he did the uh, 600s in a sponsor Red Bull when he came back. And that's when they had like the Atlanta Myers was there too. Benny Solis was racing in there. That was really strong until I can't remember his name. Um, the kid that was from the Caribbean, he crashed and died. And after that, the next oh, year yeah. pulled back on, on the series because of that tragedy. But that series was developing the talent that was going to get pushed up. And you had a, a, a ladder to go to um, Moto3. Look at all these guys, half of them, you know, oh, this is from, you know, the, the British version. This is from the European version. This one is from uh, the, the, you know, the Asia Cup. And these guys are coming through those. They're winning and they're getting to Moto3 and they're winning. And they're just the talent is going up to the top, right? Right. When we don't have that here, in fact we have almost a resistance because like, Oh, you don't race on good tracks. There's not good competition. So you're a small fry. Right. And, and I mean, without them seeing a lot of people here, it's kind of saying it's a bias though, too. Of course, I think, I mean, if you look at world Superbike, we've got guys that could go over there and race. Uh, we've seen that before, but then world Superbike will do something like, Oh, we're going to bring Tom Sykes Sykes back. And I'm sorry, Sykes fans, but why? Why would you bring him back? This dude wasn't good when he left, and he's not going to be good when he gets there and comes back, and he's older, and he was in BSB getting knocked around by guys that should have come from BSB. There's plenty of guys in BSB that should have gotten that seat over him, but yet we're falling back to that, right? So it's like there's these weird entries, and of course, I I know money has a lot to do with it, and there's not a lot of motorcycle money here to give, but it's... You, there has to be something. We have these boot camps and all that. Those are great. We've got uh, Super Camp. That's a former racer. Yeah. I can't remember his name. Danny. Uh, Nick Inoch. Okay, there you go. And then we've got, like you said, Colin Edwards. But these are like development skill camps. They're not yeah. like a VR46 camp where that is more of a school of racing, right? Where you go and they're learning racing. They're learning fitness. They're going, getting media training, English yeah. training. They are setting them up to go beyond just the track, right? And we have to have something like that here if we want to compete with that because the only way you're going to compete with something like that is to do that and better, right? 
I mean, we see this with every generation of racers. To beat them, you've got to know what they did well and be better. That's why there's always a guy that's going to beat the records, right? Mm-hmm. We have Michael Schumacher in F1. He comes in and he just dominates. And I was like, how are we ever going to have a guy like this? Well, he bred a Sebastian Vettel and he bred a Lewis Hamilton. They came in, right? They come in and do their domination of years. Who did they offshoot? A George Russell, a Max Verstappen, a Charles Leclerc, a Lando Norris. Now we got four guys, right? Yeah. Same thing. We pull that back in a motorcycle racing. You got Valentino Rossi. What happened there? Here comes Mark Marquez, Jorge Lorenzo. Quattro, these guys saw what you had to do to be that good, and they're gonna and they, they're gonna catch those records and break them. Mm-hmm. We don't have a program for people to succeed and march up to be able to put that kind of effort in. And there's there's a couple big things. One, it's the money. Two, it's the travel, right? Because you got to get laps in. Period. You just got to race. And if it's four thousand miles between you and the next three tracks. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Good luck. Um, and, mm-hmm. and, just, and I think the final one is being able to stick with it. You have to sacrifice everything to do this. And there's a kid that I worked with. It's actually, he actually only lives 10 minutes from me now. He actually came over, had a beer. It's weird. He's older now. And he's all, you know, he's an adult and has responsibilities. <laughs> but anyway, where I think he had you suddenly big- got old, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. But he had this waking moment in racing, right? Now, this guy was a Red Bull rookie. He was part of that program. Okay. He goes through that. He didn't quite get the break that he needed to, but he still pursued it. His parents got some money together, which is, you know, how many times do you hear this? I think it was like, you know, they get like a second loan in the house kind of thing. That's like the thing to do here, which is crazy, by the way, for everyone not listening. I'm sure there's people in other countries, they did what? Um, buys a motorcycle, goes to a local club, works the way through that, and then had to bring money and still work effort to get onto a team. And that team's bike has a failure at turn one in Laguna, or not Laguna, um, Daytona, slides off, hits a curb, and breaks his leg. And that's it because they need someone on the bike next week. And that person's bringing money. So you're out of here. Right? So now he's guys like, okay, I've put all my effort into this. I'm 17 years old. I'm not doing great in school because I can't focus on that because I've just been racing and racing. If I want to do anything else in my life, I kind of have to make this change now. Or I'm going to be the guy that's doing track days and club stuff when I'm 34 and I still can barely afford to feed myself because I haven't been able to build up any skills for a job or education for one. And that's a scary moment in your life of sports. And unfortunately with racing, it's probably more often than not, you're going to fall on the side of that didn't work out, right? And there is yeah. no like, oh, I'm just going to do minor leagues then. There is no minor. I mean, the, you're bringing money to the majors for God's sake. Yeah. You know? And it's the most expensive port with the least payout. True. Since we're on this talent thing, do you know who Dallas Daniels is? I do not. Okay. Dallas Daniels is probably the best dirt tracker in the country right now. He's, I want to say he's 19, maybe just turned 20, not sure. But it was, it was asked of him because he was riding like the, the Yamaha quasi factory dirt track bikes. Mm -hmm. And it was like, why don't you race, why don't you road race? Cause you've done some of that. He's like, He goes, I don't want anything to do with Moto America. He's like, I don't want, I don't, I, he can make a better living 
I think, racing a dirt tracker than he can if he goes to Moto America. That's sad. You there's a you know there's a talent there's a very good talent level guy who could probably if applying himself could go to Europe after you know some seasoning in Moto America and win a championship maybe at least win races at the very least and yet you know the dream it's like the dream right like I grew up you raced dirt track, you got to a road racer, you went to Europe and you won titles. And like, that's what I wanted to do. Okay. I was never going to get there, but mm. I was dreaming. Right. But it just didn't work out. And now it seems like young American kids don't even have that dream to even want to go to Europe. Like I, I can't even make it here, let alone go make it in Europe. Mm. You know, it's crazy. Yeah. And we also have the issue here of, uh, let's see. I want to say this without putting it the wrong way for people, but um, adherence to do new things. Um, there are a lot of people across this country that if they go to a place that doesn't have burger and fries, they could care less as far as they don't want to try anything new. Um, it's not like Europe where like you could take a train ride and your whole culture changes, right? Uh, here, it's very much, I'm going to do it my way and I'm going to stay in this way. And people, they get homesick. They don't want to venture out. I mean, I, I know quite a few people, I, just friends that spend every year, oh, we're going on vacation. Where are you going? Oh, I'm going to Vegas. Or I'm going to Hawaii. Or I'm going to Disneyland. And that is it. There's nothing else. Like I've flown across the world and been to places, right? Love seeing new things, trying new foods, people. Eventually you find out everyone's just trying to do the same shit, work a little, you know, live a little, have a nice time and, you know, enjoy a day. And that's about it, right? Everything in between is null and void. But I think that has a lot to do with it. I know um, Cam is a big homesick guy. He was that way when he went over the first time. He was that way when he went over this time. He had a goal to get to MotoGP. And I think his goal was pretty much, he said, if I don't see it in three years, I'm coming back home because I don't like Europe. I'm just here to see if I can get to MotoGP. And he didn't get to MotoGP and he comes on home. Right. And that's just not, you know, against, I think a lot of the racers here would be that way. I mean, we see a lot of international guys coming here, but I think a lot of Americans are homebodies essentially. And, People get culture shocks going three states over, for God's sake. I, you know, going a, you know, cross borders, they just they lose their minds. Um, so it's, and I totally agree with you. There, there is what, what is that dream? It, it, I'm sure there's kids that you go to. You got to wonder how much of those dreams are those kids saw it on TV and that's what they want to do, or that's what their dad wanted them to do. And their dad was the big racer, so they want to be like that, and then. I mean, I think the only that to me, that dream, and I think why we get a lot of kids to fall out of it is motocross, really. That's where the money is, right? That's well, where the money is, but where the stardom, where like the you see it on TV every week, it's a big show, you're a pro, you actually get paid to race, you know, that kind of thing. (laughs) And that's important getting paid, yes, that's important, right? And they get they see that, and that's like, that's where I want to go. And so, a lot of, I mean, the, the kid I worked with, and a lot, they can't, they come from dirt trip dirt bikes. I mean, there's a lot of MotoGP guys that had that start too. It's the easiest one to get into when you're a kid, just go out there and ride with your family and like, Oh, this kid's kind of good. Let's put him in a race. Oh, he's really good. And then eventually it's like, okay, well maybe you're not going to be the best dirt rider, but let's see what you can do on a street bike. And that's kind of how that 
falls out into it now, right? Yeah. So I, I, it's not it. You know, dirt bikes are the biggest thing here by far because of motocross, supercross, and depending where you are, flat track is is huge in other parts. Yeah. And you know, they they share the track with a lot of the NASCAR upbringing, which is the biggest form of motorsport here in the United States as well. It's not the juggernaut that it once was, but I would definitely say it's still the biggest here in the United States as far as what's produced here, right? I mean, it, no, yeah. it, it ain't IMSA. I can tell you that much. No. Yeah. IMSA is really cool. By the way, oh, side note, I am going to the 24 hours of Daytona here in two weeks. So. Oh, you lucky bastard. You yeah, lucky. definitely. And we, uh, we have a campsite. Um, we have one of our friends, well, the sim racing thing that I do these days got yeah. me out. So I'm with the team and then we do like the virtual racing. And of course we are all scattered out the country. And one of the guys is out there in Florida and, and they have a campsite. So he said, if you guys want to come visit, so we're all going to go fly out there this year and then do all that. And then I think uh, Indy is on the docket for next year, by the way. Oh, what'd you have to say next year? Cause I'm going Indy this year. Well, I got to do one a year. I can only, I can't afford yeah, to do all okay, these. Fine. I'm pretty sure the wife would uh, kick me out at that point. Well, see, that's bucket list for me is to do 24 at Daytona. Mm-hmm. And I want to take the RV. I want to be in the inside, chill and watch cars for 24 hours and not sleep. That is my, that is my dream. But I got to do that once I get to retirement, right? I can't, yeah. do, can't do that now. But... The nice thing about it, it's so affordable. I think I spent 68 bucks for a three day general admission with paddock pass <laughs> yeah that's indy, ridiculous indy cost me for three days it cost me i think it was like right around 90 or 92 bucks for three days yeah which is awesome right yeah. so a side note you watch and so right so mm-hmm. have you ever heard the name brian sellers yes i work with his brother Oh, nice. <laughs> so we're going to go see the car, transporter, all that. Yeah. Okay. Guys, I know it's a motorcycle show. Leave us be. It's two friends chatting. It's the off season. It's the off season, people. Catch up with oh, everything in between. Catch up with everything Fine. in between. So yeah, we're going to take the RV. <laughs> we're going to park inside Indy. We're going to be on the backstretch. It's going to be cool, right? It's going to be fun. Going to have a lot of guys going. So it's going to be a good time. Good time. So yeah. But yeah, you make me jealous. You're going to the 24. I, I love endurance races. So I saw... <laughs> Do you see the new Cadillac leaving pit lane at Daytona? Oh yeah, we it was all electric. electric he drops it. That never gets old. Like yeah, I can hear that a thousand times. I'd be like, yes, that's still cool. I saved that video on my phone because I keep showing everybody. Me I too. Thought, I was like, yeah, I know you guys got to see this. Everyone goes, what the hell is that? I'm like, I know, right? That's the best part about it. It sounds nasty. It's ah. such a cool thing. Well, that was like when they when Toyota brought that their first uh, hybrid LMP car to Le Mans. Mm-hmm. It did the same thing on the supercapacitors, man. It literally went down the pit lane, and as soon as it hit the speed limiter, popped that V8 on. I was like, oh, like yep. I'm sitting there going, can you please build a super like that, please? And can it look right. like the like? Can it be like the newer retro version of the one from the 90s? Like do that style, but be retro, but be cool new, and do that inside, please. Oh, all right. We're really on tangents now. We'll, we'll bring it back to motorcycle racing and continue on with, we'll cross over because, well, not okay. maybe motorcycle racing, but the trip that you're probably going to be most jealous of is that there's one that we started planning with a few of us guys is that we're going to go to Le Mans, but the way that we're going to do is we're going to fly into the UK and rent some BMWs and go down, cross the channel nice. and tour through the Alps and then come down after a couple of days, maybe four or five days of touring around on these bikes and then stopping at Le Mans to do the camping at the track, watch the race, and then head back to the UK after and fly back home. So we're looking at that thing in like 26, 27. Okay. You're just lucky you didn't say 
Isle of Man because I'd have really smacked the crap out of you virtually. Well, it, the thing is, you can time them. They're close yeah, enough. They're close enough. You, you can, can do both. I think it's three weeks. That's a long time yeah. um, as far as money-wise when you're traveling like sure. that. I did three weeks in between Italy and Greece and uh, I think that was, I mean, it was honeymoon too, but I think that you're looking like a 5k bill between like the travel and the hotels and food and just, you know, little things that add up fuel. I mean, then again, you can always make more money. That's a lifetime experience, you know, that I get to enjoy forever and ever, Mm -hmm. but that, you know, if I could time together, so the problem is I have to go. I'm only going with my boys. And if I have the wife here, she's stuck with one or more kid. I mean, yeah, it, it's a, I'm using up all my, my free time credits for the year in one shot. <laughs> yep. I get it. I get it. Yeah. That's where I'm lucky. Mine are, my kids are somewhat self-sufficient being yeah. almost 20 and 15. So it's like, you know, they don't really need a whole lot. Right. A little bit here and there. But you know, money and food, money and food. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised that, you know, that isn't some acronym for, for ATM and right. some some weirdly written language somewhere, but uh, let's go back to motorcycles. Sure. Sprint races, MotoGP. Your mm. thought. Another sad attempt at trying to do what F1 is doing. Yeah. Uh, it was but racing. it's every race. I mean, Formula I One said, Formula One said we're doing six or five, six out of 30 races or whatever they got going on now that's oversaturation i'm sorry yeah there's too well, many it's it and you're putting more risk that was already high enough risk adding more races now you're already sprint races i think the riders i was i glanced at an article so and there may be more to it but they were pissed that they weren't actually going to be getting paid extra for these sprint races as well um and so they were like yeah, we don't really want to ride in those races so I mean, this is, again, I think they did the old, like, we're just going to make the decisions without the writer's input because we're the ones that control money. And if the writers don't show up, well, then so that goes. I don't need a sprint race, though. First of all, I had a hard enough time catching up with the racing that there is. I don't really watch Moto3 and Moto2 anymore because I get, I mentioned, like a free one-hour that's it. It's going to be GP. And then it's all the other series get their top one. I'm going to watch IMSA. I'm going to watch, you know, F1. Those are my free times. And then, you know, I could go back in the winter and watch um, Moto2, but I mean, uh, Supercross is here. Right? Yeah. I'm watching that. Um, that car? The car is here. Yeah. Um, there's just. Now, I don't want to say this because this sounds stupid, but I was going to say there's almost too much racing, but that's a terrible thing for me to say. There's never such thing t- as too much racing. <laughs> there's just not enough free time to consume the there racing because I have a job. There it is. And the streaming services are just fantastic now. Oh, they are. It's the only way to watch this stuff. Yeah. Um, you, stream. you have that, and then um, you're getting racing that you never got to see before since the days of Speed Channel. Yeah. Uh, was it, was it, uh, there's one I have. I can't even remember. I think it's like Motors. Dot TV. Oh, motorsports, motorsport TV. There it is. I have that. It's like what four bucks? Yeah, it's like some four bucks a month, and there's like everything under the sun. Of, yeah, hundreds of different types of races that are going on from around the world. And I'm like, FIA go kart something. I was yeah. watching the other night. I'm like, this is yeah. cool. Yeah, that's all I watch now. I just my you know my friends always like, hey, have you caught up with this season? And that no, I'm just 
sat home. I got in my my room. I'll have to send you a picture, but like I have my sim rig that sits here. This is my work desk. This is where I just walked over from a few minutes ago, right? And then I have a 50 inch long commute. Like yeah, you made it on time. <laughs> I know, I know. And then I have a 50 inch TV up here, which I sit and so the racing is on here. If not, I, I leave it on my buddy's streams while they're streaming all day to make sure they keep their view account up or whatever. I can pop turn around or I turn around and I watch a race during lunch, you know. So I always in here it's just racing all the time. That's nice. And, and now the kid is interested in racing, right? Oh, cool. He's starting to be able to sit around a little bit and he gets excited about it. Um the way I got him in was actually a few weeks ago. It was an unfortunate way that I got him into racing. Um, he's always been interested in cars and he always sits on my lap in the sim rig, but he loses attention after a while. But what he really got into was watching Kim blocks videos. And now he's oh, all yeah. about cars. Right. And mm, yeah. Yeah. The sad passing of Kim block. So yeah. I take it that you saw his electricana video mm -hmm. with, the, with the Audi. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm assuming you caught, all the absolutely mind-bogglingly cool Audi race cars that were actually in that video too. Yep. Like yep. there was the 85 Trans Am car or the 82 Trans Am winning car. Mm -hmm. And there was the 85 GTO IMSA car. And I'm mm -hmm. like, holy crap, those are the ones that like Hans Stuck had. You know, mm -hmm. he was driving. And they, I will never forget the videos of him literally like, this right foot smashed on the on the gas, and then he would like literally be left foot smashed onto the brake so he could keep the turbo lit, and would mm -hmm. bounce three pedals across it. It was crazy, uh, but yeah, he get he gets that right. Like my boy, like loves all the Jim Connu videos that were done, and Electricana I thought was just super cool. I mm -hmm. can't believe Ken's not here, but yeah. Anyway, so he likes he likes Ken Block. Okay. Go on. Yeah. So now it's like starting to like cars. So, you know, everything revolves around racing in here. And uh, the first racing he ever really started watching because when he was little, I would watch at night with Supercross. So he loves that. Although I'm keen maybe not to put him on a dirt bike, even though we have a track close because damn, things are dangerous, man. I'm starting to no. like, oh, man, but whew, it is. So we're skateboards something. and mountain bikes. I've talked for personal experience. Yeah. I had boy. a gnarly crash last year. I almost broke my arm. I thought I did. Um, I was riding down a double black diamond that we had here in the Oakland Hills or where I used to live. Right. And, uh, I was trying to chase a buddy of mine who's pretty, pretty freaking good. And I was trying to macho it up and keep up and I lost sight. So I wasn't able to follow his line. And I came around a corner and dropped the front wheel in between two big rocks and the wheel slipped in between. It came to a stop, but I didn't. And I went flying over the handlebars and this trail has man-made steps in it. So it's like, you'll go a little bit, then it's a railroad tie. And then like you drop down a foot and then a railroad tie, you drop down a foot. So I went, but um, but um, but um, but um, but um, down these things and just eating, you know, good sized rocks and gravel all the way down about a good 25 feet after that. Ugh. And, uh, I came to a stop and I just was like laying in the trail and I was like, all right, well, my head hurts a little bit. My, I can't feel my left arm. Um, it's tingling and then uh my ribs all hurt right and so it took me a while to kind of like get back up and i was a little concussed and uh i still can't move the arm at all i was like oh shit <laughs> like that's not good and this is when my son is probably i don't know about three months old right mm, okay. so i can't i can't even Really, or no, maybe, maybe he's. I think, no, was he at a year? I think it's just at a year. This is last year, but anyway, he's time flies. Year. It's a flat yeah. circle, right? But he was young, he's he wasn't walking yet, basically, mm -hmm. right? And so we had to carry him a lot, 
And if I'm down a wing, you know, the wife's got to take a lot. So I was like, crap. That's the thing I was thinking about first. Like she's going to be pissed. <laughs> so I, I, I can't see the damage on my arm because it's on the underside where I landed, but I can just feel that it hurts and my fingers won't really bend. And so my buddy who's riding with me, he's a terrible guy to have around injury. He has a, he can't do blood. <sighs> and I was like, dude, can you see what's happening? I can't see my arm. He looks and he just turns on. I can't look at you, dude. I can't look at that much blood. And I was like, Oh, you can't look at that much blood. Is my bone showing what's happening? He's like, I can't look at it. So here I am. I'm just like bleeding all down everything else, right? I'm trying to grab my bike, which is all jacked and well. We're trying to like hammer it like back to like at least one gear so I can try to pedal out because we're like in the middle of the down and then we got to still climb back out of this thing, right? Oh, well. And so luckily some people come by and, he, and this guy sees me and he's riding. And he's like, oh, what's up? You guys having a, oh, you're not having a good time. He comes over and he's just like, I was like, I just need you to tell him about the arm. And he goes, well, there's no bone sticking out, but we might be able to see it. And I was like, wonderful. So he gave me, um, he had to pack a first aid kit. And basically there's some God that just stuck it onto that as I could do. And then um, the adrenaline kind of came back to me. So then I got back on the bike and I pedaled with my buddy back out of there and just kind of held the arm across. And then I was actually doing okay. We got back, washed it out with a bunch of water that we had. And then I started driving to the hospital. And that's where like the pain was really starting to start to come back to me. And so the, the numbness had worn off and it's throbbing. And I was like, oh man. And so I had to call the wife in the meantime. I'm like, you know, I'm okay, but I'm going to the hospital. I crashed the bike. She's like, all right, you just call me when you get there and tell me what happened. Click. All right. She's pissed. <laughs> so I'm driving and it's a, it's a bit of a drive. I'm thinking I'm going to drive home. Eventually I'm like, all right, I got first I'm thinking I'm just going to go to a, uh, like a, not like a walking clinic, but uh, urgent, care. urgent care, right? And the thing about urgent care, they're just going to tell you like, hey, uh, just go to the ER. Like we're equipped to help you with strep throat, not a busted arm. So I go to urgent care and they're closed. And I'm like, well, Stanford's across the street. I know they take my insurance. That's why I had my surgery. So I'll go over there. And I walk into the ER and there's nobody in there and I come creeping in and they're like, hold on, hold on. They got like the wheelchair, come wheel me over mm. anything else. So I go to the back and they're like, okay, you know, try to take off your clothes. They've cut the shirt off because it's all shredded up. I was like, I'm like, pull it off. And it's starting to feel a little bit better. So I'm starting to think maybe it's broken. Maybe it's not. And then I'm sitting there and start to become a celebrity. The doctors are bored and they're all mountain bikers. So they want to come talk to me about mountain biking. They want to come talk to me about, you know, what trail we are. Oh, that one. Dang. No, no, no. Exactly where you fell. I'm like, that's great. And, and it like make it even better. Like I'm sitting there like half dressed <laughs> and this nurse Sorry. comes busting in. She's like, Skylar. And I was like, yeah, that's me. And she pulls her mask down. Cause this is like, you know, mid COVID. She goes, you remember me as a girl who I went from elementary to high school with. She's actually one of the ER nurses there. And she's like, I saw your name on the board. I know it was you to come and check on you. So then she calls one of the other doctors because there was another guy who went to school with, they're all coming. I was like, Jesus Christ. So I have this like party going on in the room and I'm like, okay, they sent me through all these different scans and they're like, okay. So they couldn't see anything, but they think that this is a deep contusion in the bone. Right. And they, they had to put in, I think it was like eight or nine stitches in the arm. Um, and you flush that all out and, and basically went home. But yeah, I mean, like, you know, to circle back around, then things ain't safe either. But <laughs> I guess you'll take your risk somewhere. <laughs> I don't think anything's safe. I mean, good grief. Yep. Oh, so, so we did sprint race. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I'm going to try to be open-minded about it. Because there is that entire possibility that it might give us some 
really good racing. But then again, it might be just a ride to survive because we worried more about the big race as opposed to the little short one. So, I, I mean, part of me says, like, you get, Marquez is such a racer that, like, if you give him, like, a 10 to 12 lap sprint race, you know he's just going to flat go for it, which unto itself is probably going to be, like, insanely entertaining. So, yeah. I mean, there's always that part of it. I, I mean, the idea of what they're doing, I mean, the, the you know, what is the big elephant in a room with MotoGP right now? It's the fact that Marquez has said it's like Formula One. You can't follow each other. So you, you, I think you got to get rid of the shape-shifting bikes. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, I'll give you the aerodynamics, but you can't. You're gonna have to get rid of the shape-shifting stuff. Like I just look at look at I look at it this way. Look at Australia, Phillip Island. You got a track there where it's fast, it's flowing, and it's old school. And so there really isn't a whole lot of turns that they can actually use the shapeshifters to any any to any advantage. Mm-hmm. So the bikes look cool again because they didn't look like dragsters and look all weird when they, you know, squat in the back. And you had the probably you had the best race you had in years. All right. So the thing that I get is again, you talked about it with Moto America. There's a balance. There's the factory that wants to do whatever it is to win, which is correct because they're the players that are bringing the tools. And then there's this thing like, well, wait a minute, the competition is just awkward. There's there's this difference. And like, I really can't see an argument that you can give me where a shape-shifting bike is something that's going to show up on the showroom floor on a 1000 Yamaha. I, I, I've heard people make the argument, well, hey, that way someone can adjust the ride height of the bike because they're shorter. They're not, they're five, eight in, in the bikes. You know, you can't be flat footed. You're on one foot or you're toe touching. Whereas mm-hmm. if we could push the button, no, oh, it would lower down because you're not six foot. I think it's kind of a reach to say that that's what's there. The aerodynamics, okay, yeah, I can. I can give you that in a street bike to some extent, but ideally you really shouldn't be going that fast that they're actually going to be effective when you're (laughs) on the street. But I know how we all are because I was that guy. I am that guy and I will do that. So I, you know, maybe I do want the aerodynamics on the street. I'm not sure, but it seems as though that the Euro manufacturers have embraced this. They have decided this is the way forward. And this is where we're going to go. And I think they're starting to see the the profit of their labors. They're obviously looking really well. We're like the Japanese who are, I don't want to say slow to innovate, but they're slow. They're, they, they evolve slowly, right? Mm-hmm. There's not a real, it's, 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 it's always um, revision, 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 revision. It's not evolution. It's revolution, just slow, incrementally better. And, you can tell from the, what Marquez is saying, he's not happy about where Honda is. I mean, they left the they left the Valencia test early because it's like, yeah, we ain't got nothing to learn here. Mm-hmm. This bike is junk, which is yeah. worrisome, right? That he says that because he's, you know, Marquez is sort of the corner piece that's going to bring in the people because you get him back and you get him making these incredible saves. Like, look what he did at Phillip Island. At a Lukey Heights, or not Lukey Heights, what is that? MG, mm-hmm. whichever it is, doesn't matter. But 
the whole crowd loved the fact that he actually saved it because you missed that, right? And the other thing that they need, they need Marquez, in my opinion, they need Marquez on a, on a good Honda. You need the villain. Yeah. There's no villain, right? Like, Quattro gets along with everybody, and Benyatta gets along with everybody. Nobody Now, <laughs> there's a brewing battle. Bastianini and Benyatta? Yeah. <laughs> That's tasty. Because those two on the same bike in the same garage, and David Tardazzi be trying to be team principal and the guy that tells everybody what to do. <laughs> and... Mm-mm. No. Yeah, that's and, and if he doesn't do it, I mean, they're, they're losing their most recent storyline. It's the comeback of Marquez, right? Yeah. Can he come back? Can he come back? And that's what they've got right now. But if he decides the bike is no good and he doesn't want to be there anymore, all right, then they have to hope that the there's a rivalry between you know somebody out there, whether it's Peco and Quattro or inner team rivalry. But I can tell you right now, for the masses, no one's going to watch an inner team. They don't want an inner team rivalry to be the rivalry. Right, it ain't sent a prost. Right, right. Even then, it's just like, okay, those two bikes are gone out to the front. What's everyone else doing? Like, no, let's get it. Like, you know, multiple. You want to see, you know, the whole teams going at it. You know, you've seen that in F one over the last couple of years. It's teams that are going at it. Right. It's much more entertaining. You can for anyway. I think kind of the nice thing about OGB right now too is I have no fandom of any of the writers. Now, that's not to say that I don't like the writers. I do, but I don't have to be like, oh, this guy's got to win for me to have a good time, right? I just get to enjoy the hell out of the racing because all these guys now, it's just like, I don't think I, I planted my you know flag there for a while. And I, and I don't dislike anybody enough to want to see them lose all the time either, which is what I've seen, you know, had in the past as well. Um, can't say the same for F1. There's definitely some do's and don'ts there for me. But there's a lot of narrative that isn't happening in MotoGP that could, but what explain? Well, I mean, the, the um, what we're setting up for this year, if Marquez comes back, right. Mm-hmm. And we get to have a three bike race. That's what we all want. We want Quattro, Pecco and Marquez duking it out all year long. That's but the Bassett slowly sneaking up on a tire that he saved the whole way. Oh, sorry. Yeah. That's my vision. Not yeah. Yours. So well, he comes in, and then, you know, we want to see things like Jack Miller go over the Ducati or the KTM and have a great time with Brad Bender and these guys be the, the sideways sliding, beer chugging, having fun. Like, oh, okay, that's, you know, that's your relatable guys kind of thing over there in that team. And, you know, you want this, but, you know, every year I remember we would have these preseason shows. What are we all? Oh, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. And then by the time that year ended it, you know, most of that shit doesn't happen and it all falls back to status quo. And, <clears throat> It's nothing that's in control of MotoGP. I think for a lot of it, it's just that sometimes, you know, years and races turn out better. Everyone, you know, remembers Barcelona as a great track because of one race. That track is not a good track. It's not. exactly it had one good race that everyone remembers it for. That race could have easily happened at Assen. It's just the timing of it, right? And that, that track is. Oof. It, I'm sorry, that track sucks for any racing. By the way, mm, um, yes. four or two wheel. <clears throat> not a, maybe not the most popular opinion, but there you go. Oh, I'm with you. <laughs> Um, I looked at the schedule and all of a sudden they're like, oh yeah, we, we dumped Aragon off the, off the list. Uh, I'm going, Dude, why did you jump Barcelona? Like, right? what are you thinking? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Can we just, can we just get rid of that sh- place? I, you know, ugh. I would, I, th- I know we talked about this before, but man, I would love for them to adopt a rotating track th- series, uh, you know, type of deal where like, okay, yeah, no, we have a Spanish round and it's going to be at one of these four tracks every year. Right. Yeah. That's, That'd be cool, you know, an Italian round, 
you know, we especially because they're more of a World Series now where they can actually go to just Europe and outside. You know, they've got like how many races in Asia now? They're not going back to China right now at the moment, but, no, but uh, Japan, Thailand, Indonesia, there's three. Three, right? Right. Uh, Sepang, yeah. so Malaysia. So Sepang, yeah. Okay, yeah, four, right? Right. And then you swing down to Australia, right? So you kind of got five in that time zone-ish yeah. area. They're going back. Is it then that's going back to India this year? Uh, there, it's It hasn't been officially confirmed, but they're talking about going back. It's it's tentative, right? It's a it's a. I think they got to get work out. Like, if I remember correctly, they have to work out the import taxes and duties and all that stuff because that's kind of what killed Formula One going there was that that's stuff. Right. And then they it's so it's like they got to work that out. And I think they have to agree to to the homologation. I don't I don't know if it's actually passed. It's you know infrastructure there or whatever. And but, then there's uh, I think was it. Was it Kazakhstan? Is that Kazakhstan? Yeah, they're going. Which did you see the flyover? They had a flyover with a drone. Uh uh-uh. uh Oh god, it looks boring as hell. <laughs> I get it. It's it's on a drone. I get it, but it's like it's a, it is a flat, lifeless desert. It it reminds you of um, what's the track in Utah? Uh oh, Millen Mil- Motorsports yes. Park. Yeah, it just th- that area. That was another track Amy used to go to. I, there you go. There we finally figured one out. <laughs> Everybody's been yelling. Everybody's been yelling the whole time. Jim Scott. I actually, I actually went to a couple of races there. there. <laughs> we finally figured it out on our own time. Gosh, That's World's, what it kind of reminds me of. World Superbike used to go to that freaking track. That was 10 KT Honda's like testing track for a while, too, believe it or not. Really? I didn't, yeah. I didn't know that one. I knew you get like yeah, three we'll, testing tracks a year to use, and that was one of them for whatever reason. <laughs> <laughs> nothing like going to let's go to utah you want to go have a drink Mm-mm, you're not gonna no, have a drink drinking there <laughs> but those those mormon choir girls they're pretty good looking oh yeah, yeah if you want eight kids but anyway someone's <laughs> <laughs> mad about that joke right now <laughs> let's yeah. let's actually since we're talking about recent let's actually you know walk through the the schedule here so that's kind of an interesting thing what, moto gp schedule yeah okay okay so go ahead we're gonna start the portuguese gp I think I like that. Can agree. We're happy with that, right? I love that. Then we're gonna go to Argentina. Good with that. Then we're gonna go to Circuit of the Americas. Love that. Then we hit our first Spanish GP, and this is gonna be at Jerez, right? Yeah, so, that's a classic, uh, right? Nobody, nobody, nobody hates Jerez. Then we're gonna go to the French GP for Le Mans. Yeah, it'll be uh, cold and, and rainy. Everybody's gonna fall at the first turn. Let's move on. Right, yeah. and then we have uh, the Italian GP at Mugello. Classic track. Move into the German GP, which is back this year, Schaffering, right? There's Zachfelbring. And then we have the Dutch GP. That's never going to go away. That's one of the best races ever. Yeah. And then we have the new one, the Kazakhstan GP there. Of course, that's double. So subject to contract and homologation. So I'm sure there's a fill-in race at Aragon just waiting for that one to fail. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 fully, I fully expect that one to fail. Yep. Because, I mean, they're not a part of Russia. They are their own country now, right? Kazakhstan mm-hmm. is. But you got to believe that they're on the wrong side of where everybody wants to go. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. They got oil. Someone will be there. All right. So then we have the Shell British. Exxon. <laughs> yeah. Then we have the British GP right after that. Of course, the Silverstone, the Austrian GP, right? 
Spielberg. Yeah, and then, then we come up back to our second Spanish round. It's like, oh, I'm sorry. I guess it's not a Spanish round. It's a Catalan, a Catalonia, Barcelona, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, that's like, that's like European GP and F1. We yeah, want to like, put another race in some other in the country of Alonzo's origin. So we're going to call yeah. Valencia the European GP. You know, there's right still on. pieces of that track actually you can go see. They're left. Believe, yeah, the it, was, it was around the harbor, right? Yeah. You can still go see. There's like the bridge has got to be there, I would think. Yeah. 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 Wild. Um, then we go to our second uh, Italian GP, the San Marino GP. Then we have the Indian GP. And again, double asterisk, subject to contract and homologation once again. So another backup spot that maybe Aragon, Aragon slides into. Yeah. Slides into. After that, then we start our swing through Asia. We're going to do Japanese GP, Indonesian GP, hop on down for the Australian GP, then head to Thai GP, Malaysian GP, and then we have the Qatar GP. Very late in the year, that used to be a much earlier that race. That was the opener, mistaken, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah that was the opener there. for years. We we opened at Qatar. Yeah, they everybody complained watch. about the dew coming in and all that. I'm like, I'm, yeah. I Rich is talking to Martin or has talking to Martin has talked to Martin, and I want I know I know Rich will ask Martin what the weather difference is going to be between those two. So stay tuned for all that in November. We'll see. Um, but I, I'm betting they wanted the. Uh, uh, into year battle is what they're looking for probably. Yeah. And then we go back to our final and third Spanish round of the year, the Valencia GP finishing us out in November. So March to November with 21 races. 22 cuz everybody gets a sprint race. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, there I, you go. I don't need that many races in Spain. No. No. I don't need Valencia. I I, I get it. Everybody likes to be there at the end of the year because everybody goes and parties. It's a great party city. Okay, I, great. The track is not great. Mm-hmm. Not. I mean, it's like it's a go kart track for MotoGP. I, on a Moto three bike, I bet it's fantastic. I bet it's absolutely wicked on a Moto three bike. You know, be rad in Valencia at the end of the year. Not the last race of GP. But like the race of champions, like they do with all the car stuff, we bring all the yeah. motorcycle folks yeah. around. They just do like an exhibition kind of thing. You get to see them out there and, you know, top champion dirt biker, motocross biker, trials biker. And that's where they have the party and all the events. That'd be kind of, that'd, that'd be, be kind of sweet. Not like that. Be, but I mean, just something else besides, you know, Valencia. I mean, how looks. about this? What if we got everybody to ride super motard? Use a little dirt, use a little asphalt, a little sliding sideways kind of a thing for a final. That'd be kind of cool. That would be cool. I'd be there for it. I'd go. Yeah. <laughs> um. What was the one Mark Marquez was doing there for a few years? He would invite uh, yeah. trackers over. It's something like Grand Especial or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Because yeah. he, he like what Brad, Brad Barker, Brad went over. Baker, isn't it? Something Baker, like Brad Baker. Yeah. Yeah. He went over and won a couple rounds and stuff. He got Marquez, hurt, right? Huh? Brad did. Brad got hurt, didn't he? I think. He- <sighs> I think Brad uh, is uh, is wheelchair these days, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know. Yeah, I think he. That's a good question. Back, yeah. Mm, well, that's not good. No, no, I did. I just it just popped into my head because I was like, yeah, I never heard yeah. about that. But yeah, they stopped that whole event because obviously yeah. risk and reward and all that good stuff. Right. Yeah. Well, you, Honda's only going to give Marquez so much string, and they're going to make it look like a yo-yo. And back, it's going to come. <laughs> Somehow, you just know if you went to KTM, like all that would be back on again. Yeah. Something reminds you, we'll have to do our early year bet. And folks, you can write in with your bets too, as to how many riders are going to show up with training accidents from a motocross bike before the season starts. 
Remember, when I'm talking about training, I'm not talking about that they went down and they're running in between cones and working on slide drills and bounce. I'm talking about the guy that's chucking it 40 fucking feet into the air with his hand off the bar and kicking off the side. That kind of training. You know, that's the stuff that you can relate to on the track. Land and bust your shit. Yeah, training. Totally agree. Not fucking around, but training. Yes, that. Still never going to be on board with that. I don't get it either. No. Like, I get the idea. I Like, me, I can see Supermoto all the way around. Mm-hmm. That, that I get. Mm-hmm. I could see racing dirt track because it's sliding it sideways. I get that. I have no idea why you want to jump anything. And mm-hmm. okay, fine. You want to ride a motocross bike and cause just from the physical endurance it's going to take to do yeah. it. But why are you trying to conquer 40 foot triple? Like just double it and then do a single at the end. Right. Ask Dovey, ask Valentino. Oh, yeah. Pretty much every single one of them that's gone out and done it. Whoops. Whoops. Whether they got yeah, all of people riding in get hurt doing anything. Didn't you say you got hurt in a mountain bike? I think Marquez jacked himself on a mountain bike last year, too. <laughs> I think he did. Some, I mean, well, yeah. well, at some point he did. At yeah. some point somebody fell off their 10 speed and yep. hurt themselves. Right. So, yeah, you can. But I mean, I can get bit by a snake or I can bit by a shark. Just depending on how big I want to go. One of those I probably have a better chance of surviving. Just saying. Well, let's see. We're going to host our thousandth Grand Prix this year. Well, really? That's nuts. That's going to happen at Le Mans. That's a lot of racing. That's a lot of racing. Yeah. I wonder what percentage of the uh, races Rossi's been in. 90. <laughs> I just thought about that. He's around for so long. Yeah. Uh, he's, got a, he's, a, he's got a huge percentage. I, I bet it's 60, 70% of all the races has had Valentino Rossi in it. We won the bet on that one. Yeah, that'd be a good one. I, I, I'm sure they will mention it at some point. That'll be oh, part I'm of sure the festivities if they don't drag him out there himself. Ugh, Still gotta get yeah. try to get some of that. Um, but yeah, I I don't know if I have much more to go with racing. Um, I that's all good. You know, I I am looking forward to you know the storylines developing this year. I won't say MotoGP is my first thought on a Sunday morning um mm-hmm. these days but then again most stuff isn't my first thought on sunday morning most of it is how long do i have before this kid wakes up can i finish one cup of coffee that's usually my first thought if he didn't wake me up himself right um yeah yeah we're getting ready to transition him to a bed so pretty soon he'll just get out and come get me instead of waiting for me to come get him we'll see how that goes <laughs> who's training who <laughs> oh no it's completely i'm i'm in school every day with this kid teach me everything else it's weird that he talks to me now which is strange walks around my house making demands um what he wants to watch on tv loves cars the show the disney show no oh, okay, yeah. they have three movies they have about 20 spin-off little shows yeah. on all the toys and trust me i know all about all the of toys. it mm. yeah, good shows right. yeah but he's talking now he's almost you know he's getting put multiple words together Usually it's dead that I'm hungry, or for me, usually it's dead that I pooed and I have to go <laughs> take the diaper. That's always fun. I'm like, you just tell me maybe before you do that, buddy. Let's work on that progression. Work on that one. Yeah, you work yeah. on that one. But I'm going to get him on a balance bike soon. So, you know, uh, you and Earl Hayden. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> he took the one spring off the hobby horse, man. So the kids had to balance properly. It's like, talk about dedicating yourself to something, right? Mm hmm. That was, but oh man, dude, I miss Nikki. Yeah, I mean, the, I, I just mean, do. Again, There's another something thing. missing in my life, and it's him. It's weird. Yeah, 
it's another thing that kind of bring us back to what we were talking about earlier was that the um we you know that's the superstars from the u.s and what you had i mean back then i mean at one time you had matt Maladin, nikki hayden miguel duhamel ben spees all actually all the hayden brothers tommy was there roger yeah. was there yep. josh hayes was there but he was actually the former extreme uh division. he's riding arian the Bostrom's. He could never get. He could never get on a superbike. Arian. Yeah. He's always riding Arian. Yeah, and then you had the Bostroms in there. Bostroms. Right? Did I mention Zimke? I think I did. Um, Zimke, um, Doug Chandler, Pegram. Doug Chandler's. I mean, these guys are all racing at the same time. <laughs> I think Steve, Steve Rapp was in there. Steve uh, Rapp. Yeah. Miller was there. Mark Miller. Mark Miller. I'm trying. To, there's another. I'm trying to think. Slip in my mind right now. Jamie Hacking. Right? Jamie. Oh yeah. Jamie these Hacking. are all like U.S. racing powerhouse. Scott racing. Russell. Scott Russell, Aaron you know, Yates, that you know, Aaron Yates, old guy. He can't. He went and came back, but the Jordan team forgot. There's another major sponsorship. Yeah. You know what I mean? That yep. kind of stuff. This was crazy. What was going on? And just watch that all just. Poof, it, that is not there. Um, yeah. And, and you know, it, I knew there was something scary. Remember Mean Motorsports when he was in with Josh Heron about five six years ago, and they had a superbike program. It was actually a really good, like next, like you know, fourth place program mm -hmm. kind of like, like an Arian was back in the day and he just stopped going to the races just like one season there's like two races or three races in i'm done he said because it got too expensive and this is a guy who was taking a semi truck and i remember seeing it off the side of the road because i was i could drive past it when i was going to visit my buddies and i was thinking to myself like you had enough money to bring a semi truck to the track and there was something wrong within the rules that I think it was like an ECU or something like that. And he's just like, no, you guys are not making anything better for racing. That'd be an avenue to explore down one day and get him on the show and be like, okay, you were a guy, what we all wanted to see privateer that started off with like a trailer and building motors for guys that turned into a full blown super bike team, trailering semi big superstar on your bike. And you just stopped racing. What happened? Where was that issue that you decided this was no longer worth my time? Full sponsorships and I mean everything, like just weird. Just nope, I'm done. Yeah, we, we I that sounds cool. Yeah, got to track him down somehow. He's around here somewhere. He's not a, a couple hours from me somewhere. If if he's still around this way, but mm -hmm. the trick would be to maybe talk to like Josh Heron, and then he could probably hook you up with that kind, you know, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. I mean, Cam is back over here. Cam is a is a twenty minute drive. Both Cams, the one I used to work with, and and our and our uh, AMA Superbike champion are both about twenty minutes from my current house now. Nice. Cam, Cam pings my area once in a while on Strava. It's kind of funny. I see him rolling around. So hmm. I'll have to see if I can get him to wander over here and hop in front of a mic this year. I'm like, hey, that'd be cool. What's going on, Mister? I'm married, old guy with a kid now. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, these yeah. guys are. Close, they're, they're they're almost 30 now i'm like wait a minute wait a minute weren't you guys like 16 and i was almost 30 like no wait i guess i was in my mid-20s you guys were like oh my god you only changed my wait a minute i'm old that's what's happening that's what's happening that just wakes up and happens one day you just yeah. suddenly realize you're old you know <laughs> when you realize pay when you realize pegram's got like a 20 year old kid yeah and then you realize yeah I'm, okay we're old now <laughs> my first time that i was like it really hit me um, you know, I grew up, played sports since I was, I think I was in sports three years old. I was in gymnastics and never stopped year round until I was done with football, like my first year of junior college, 
right? And so I had been working out and practicing every day for the last 19 years of my life. I was pretty much just done with it by then, right? So I wasn't going back to the gym. And so when I started going back to the gym, I was doing things. I kind of got in shape. And then me and a buddy, uh, one day, we're like, hey, let's go to the park and let's just get out. Because I think it rained for a while. I'm like, let's just go throw the frisbee around. Let's get loose. And he launched the frisbee and I went to chase it down. And I felt like my feet were no longer underneath me. Like I used to be, I could run a four, five to four, four, 40 yard dash, right? Okay. Peak me, it'd have been like low four, four is almost a four, three. Had some wheels underneath me, right? <laughs> I was running. I felt like I had an anchor behind me. I was like, what happened to the athlete inside? And I remember at that moment, like, all right, that is not where it used to be. And that was the first moment I was like, right. Um, the body does slow down a little bit after a while. And then, yeah, now I see it though with re- my reaction, my reaction times doing the sim racing. It's like, I'm good for me, but you know, you watch these kids that are coming out and winning, they're 16, 17 years old. And you watch some of the shit they do. And it's like, I can, I can literally read their data. You can have access to their data and read it. And you can put the same setup in everything. Nope. Not happening. Just ain't happening. 400 laps. It ain't happening, man. It's just those reactions and skill set. Nope. Yeah. I, I know, I know where you're, I know what you're talking about because, um, I'm an eighties kid. I grew up with the stand up big video games, right? Pac-Man, Miss mm-hmm. Pac-Man, all I, Galaga. I, I love all those games. So my wife bought me a little tabletop Miss Pac-Man and like, well, two things struck me with that. One was, the muscle memory of running around that board. Mm-hmm. Like it just, it was just ingrained in me. I was like, I'm like, Oh yeah, I go this way. This way. Yeah. Okay. The other thing was, is like crap. When it comes down to the, to inky binky, inky blinky pinky and Sue being on my tail, I can't make <laughs> Yeah. I missed the dive to the tunnel because <laughs> I just don't think about it fast enough. Right. Oh mm-hmm. uh, yeah. That's when you know you're old. It's a sign of the times, my friend. But you know what? I kind of actually enjoy it to some extent because I have some. I have two things I didn't have when I was young. One, I didn't have money. Now I mm. do. Mm-hmm. Right? And I got a whole lot more time to just enjoy being at a racetrack as opposed to, God, when is the next practice? We got to fix this on the bike. We got to do that. Hey, we got to change setup. Okay, mate, I, let me get to the riders meeting. Okay, well, I yeah. got. Let me go take a pee real quick. I got to come back. Okay, did I get enough Gatorade in me for this twenty lapper? I don't know. We're going anyway. Yeah, you know, it's like that hustle and bustle of all that. I kind of like the, kind of like that. Like life slows down a little bit. Like yeah. it just isn't so chaotic. It's chaotic. It's a different kind of chaotic, but it, you can pace yourself in it. Yeah, I get that. I mean, that's why you know I've got one of the guys who I've been. Uh, working with on my virtual race team, he just got signed to go be a team member on one of the IMSA teams. And it's his first time going out there. And it's like, yeah, you know, I traveled with like, you know, doing the, the funny car stuff and the motorcycle stuff. And would you do it now? Hell no. That is a young man thing to go up there and live out of a suitcase and go track to track. Right. Oh yeah. Um, I don't even want to fly in on the weekends. That's still too much. I don't want to do all that much travel, but um yeah, I get that. And it's, you know, things show it's like you mentioned now I can actually enjoy time, a little more money, but I can go to these bigger races that were never going to be a thing when I was younger. Cause that just wasn't there, but yeah, just didn't have it. 
Anyway, man, I'm getting texts from the wife asking when I'm done because we got to get dinner, go pick it yep. up, and go over to the the, in, the the grandparents' house, go pick That's up good. my kid. He's visiting today, but uh, yeah, man, yeah. it's been, uh, it's been a fun this. one catching it's up. Good. Yeah, it's been good. It's good. It's good. Yeah. So cool. All right, man. I'll let you go. I don't want the wife mad at you because the last thing is she'll never let me actually have you back on again. <laughs> <laughs> right. There's a, there's so just give me before you go. Just give me just give me who's going to win the championship. Championship this year. Yeah, MotoGP um, and Moto America. Just just yeah. throw them out there. Yep. So I'm going to go Peko for Peko MotoGP. on the double. He's figured out how to do it now, so now okay. it won't be it won't be scary for him. Okay. And for Moto America, Cam's going to come back. He's going to take a couple of races to get his head around the BMW, and away he goes. I'll take Cam and Moto America. And I'm going to go Bastianini on MotoGP. Ooh, because I just, I, I think he's going to put the pressure on Ben Yaya and Ben Yaya will fold like a wet noodle. Unforced <laughs> errors. Not an Italian joke. He just means a wet noodle. That's all it is. Yeah, true. Yeah, sorry. Didn't mean to slide <laughs> that one in there. Sorry. I wasn't even thinking that, guys, honestly. All right, man. I'm going to let you go. I appreciate it. Appreciate the time, my friend. We'll All catch right. up. All right. Take care. Right, later. See you. Bye.